it's not only my dreams. My belief is that all these dreams are, are yours as well. And the only distinction between me and you is that I can articulate them. And that is what poetry or painting or literature or filmmaking is all about. It's as simple as that. And I, I make films because I have not learned anything else. And I know I can do it to a certain degree. And it is my duty because this uh, might be the, the inner chronicle of what we are. And we have to articulate ourselves, otherwise we would be cows in the field. In uh, Murnau's film Max Schreck, he's just like an insect. He doesn't, the vampire doesn't have any emotions, doesn't have any soul. I always wanted a vampire different, who um, is deeply uh, agonized by not being capable to um, participate in human things like death or uh, daylight or love or uh, all sorts of, of, of human emotions and human activities. So it's uh, Kinski is a vampire who deeply, uh, who is deeply agonized by not being able to, to love uh, a woman. And that was always clear. Of course, Kinski was, as usual, was the ultimate pestilence, very hard to to handle him, but that was always uh, the same. We knew that, uh, but everybody had forgotten how bad he was. And so normally all the other actors would turn against me. How can you do that to us to have such, uh, such a madman on the set? And my own crew would turn against me. How can you do that to us again? Uh, so my argument was always uh, wait until we finish the film. The only thing that counts uh, is what you see on the screen. I believe the common denominator of the universe is not harmony, but chaos, hostility and murder. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 This week, remakes. The sequel, we talked about a couple of remakes last week, but it's such a wide field with uh, so many great remakes, despite, I think, popular opinion or, or perception that remake is automatically bad. Once you actually get into it, there are tons of really great remakes out there. So um, picking a couple more was like uh, actually pretty easy. Uh, we're going to start this week with something I think a little bit different from, you know, maybe more of the like genre fan service titles and something kind of outside the uh, American studio horror remake biz called Nosferatu the Vampire from 1979. This is directed by Warner Herzog from uh, a screenplay uh, by Warner Herzog and uh, a remake of the 1922 silent film Nosferatu, which was itself an uh, unauthorized uh, adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. And I think that this is a good example of a more positive way to think about remakes in terms of like folklore. You know, stuff that is like passed down through the generations and it's told and retold with 
you know, like regional changes or artistic embellishments or era relevant changes. Um, so if you think about these things like that, I think it, you know, everything doesn't have to be like a cynical cash grab just because a story has been told before. I don't think anyone has ever, you know, accused Herzog, certainly, of anything like that. Um, this story, we we know the story. John Harker, played here by Bruno Gans, is sent by his real estate manager to Transylvania to sell a house in their little port town to Count Dracula. Played here by a Klaus Kinski, um, Harker barely survives this trip, but the house is sold and the Count sets sail for the little port town of uh, Wismar, bringing death and destruction and some uh, funny ideas about John Harker's wife, Lucy, played by the great uh, Isabel Ajani. I love this one. I think this one really rewards some repeat viewings. This movie is a mood. It's great for uh, like cold, dark weather watching. You can put this on. Um, Kinski, incredible in this, obviously, but I really think the whole cast in this is great. Um, I love how, like, unromantic this is in contrast to things like the, um, Coppola Dracula that we talked about. Um, this is like, I think, a little bit more earthier, a little grittier, um, and this is on Shudder right now. This is on all of the free ad-supported sites like Tubi, Crackle, Peacock, popcorn um you can rent it anywhere and also the original the 1922 uh german silent film nosferatu is also on shutter and a bunch of the other sites too so both of these are very easy to see um but i think this is a, a great one highly recommend i was very into this movie i had seen the original back in one of my film studies classes and i liked the oh. creepy oh i'm sorry yes i went to college i have a bachelor's degree um i liked the creepiness of it uh, but thought it was, you know, it was a little slow going and obviously like very silent. It was a silent film. Uh, but I thought that this one really hit the nail on the head for me when it comes to this story. I started to watch the German one with subtitles, but then I found the English version and switched, uh, which wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I thought it might be a little weird, uh, but I was very impressed uh, that the actors could change you know, their dialect so easily from one to the other, but that's probably because I'm a stupid American who was high for the entirety of Spanish 1 and 2 in high school. Anyway, I really liked this one. I thought it was a beautiful version of the Dracula tale. I liked it way better than the Coppola version, if we're being honest here. Damn. Oh, yeah. Wow. I didn't really Shots like that fired. one. Shots it was fine. Fired. Okay. You I'm know. with you. All right. Whatever. All right. I like it. Uh, there was no frills, no Keanu, uh, <laughs> just the heartbreaking tale of a lonely vampire who takes uh, down an entire ship slash town in order to try and experience the love of a raven-haired mm. lady. Mm. <laughs> love it. And I loved how said lady, Lucy, took things into her own hands to try and save the world slash town from this uh, long and beautiful nailed man. We had matching fingernails this week, so I was really into that. Mm. Uh, not only was she like, no, get the fuck out when he slunk in her, into her room in the middle of the night to woo her, uh, but she was the first one to be like, nah, this is not a plague, and then researched and concocted a plan to take him down. Uh, she used the knowledge of him creepily watching or creepily wanting to basically be a part of her and Jonathan's relationship uh, to uh, cuckold. Oh, he's a fucking cuck. We're like Count Cuckula. <laughs> there it is. Put that on a t-shirt. Why do we have to go there? I was wondering I know. We, why do we have to do that? Because we have to. Dracula Ew. is so cast in couch. 
Bang Bros, am I right? Anyway, um, she used that um, to to her advantage and tricked him into staying up a little bit too late, a little bit past his bedtime. Uh, while I think his death uh, by sunlight was a bit anticlimactic, it's kind of just him like laying on the ground. <laughs> I think in turn the new you know count riding off out of town was a beautiful ending. Uh, I think there's a uh, absolute reason that this is a classic, even without any of like the gore and like the slashers coming in. I loved it very much. I mean, Trent picked this movie, and I immediately looked it up and texted him. It's rated PG. (laughs) 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 What the fuck is happening here? Uh, First comment. Put me right on the defensive, right away. (laughs) First comment. This movie's boring as fuck. It's it's boring as fuck, but. It's a cinematic masterpiece. It is a master class in set design, in directing, in very gently handling one of the greatest pieces of literature of all time. And you're bored by all these things. No, I'm just saying the movie is really... (laughs) It's really slow. Like, there's not a lot to, like... There, there's there's no I mean we're gonna get to something that's like maybe a little bit too action heavy in the second movie we talk about but this one it's really beautiful to watch um, but it's just not always that engaging unless you're literally paying attention to the three characters that you guys were already talking about which is the Count Harker and Lucy Harker and their performances are unbelievable and the dynamics are really good. It's just, I don't necessarily think that how the story gets there for, for watching it in 2021, it's not, it's not that engaging. Um, there's some unbelievable shots like Herzog gets some of the best just set designs and, you know, he was really inspired by this painter, Caspar David Friedrich. And if you go look at some of Friedrich's paintings, uh, Herzog recreates some of them in this movie in scenes that are it's unbelievable. Like, it's really impressive. However, other than, like, the beginning when you're meeting, like, Harker and, and Lucy, it's kind of interesting. Maybe when he gets to the Romani, so, you know, on his way to the Count's castle... That's a little bit interesting. When he meets the Count, you're like, who the fuck would enter a castle with a dude that looks like that? So you're already a little bit like, uh, is this where they got like the final girl running up the stairs instead of down the stairs? Um, He's my type, so I would definitely go in there. And then there's like the point where the Count is like, he's trapped Harker and then he like gets himself into a coffin and then there's random dudes, uh, on a raft getting him down the river uh and then he gets there everything in the third act is great (laughs) what you talked about cat like everything with lucy and the count even though the count still looks like because to be very clear to someone that has not seen this movie uh the count never gets like hot gary oldman (laughs) Like um, 92. Here's no. a hot take, though. Count- if I could interject for a second, I would prefer to bang this guy over Gary Oldman. <laughs> Whoa, I'll say it. Go. I'll say it here wow. first. I, I like those teeth. <laughs> like those two buck teeth. What can I say? But, I mean, that's li- like very faithful. Thank you. Yeah. I'm talking about the movie adaptation. You and I will talk after the show <laughs> about everything you just said. Perfect. Um, but the third act is great. Uh, but So when I say like this movie's boring as fuck, what I mean is like it's... It's a purist film. 
like you can watch this movie and you can appreciate every single thing that I think Werner Herzog did, that the set design, the actors, and everyone did. Um, it's definitely worth watching, especially if you're a scholar and you like the Dracula story and you like any of the versions of Dracula. Uh, it's a very faithful adaptation of the book for the most part. Um, and it, it really is like it, it deserves its place in the canon. Um, I just don't know how often I would put it on like, you know, for like, hey, I'm going to watch a horror movie right now. I'm, I'm just being honest. I, yeah, I, no, I, like, it was, I totally hear I, what you're saying. I, I texted I Trent and totally said this was a great palate cleanser. We'd been watching like Evil Dead remake and Hills Have Eyes. And we're going to watch Dawn of the Dead remake this week. Like This was a super good mm-hmm. like throwback to be like cleanse your palate and watch a movie that was made by movie buffs, by like master class artists. Uh, I just don't know if I it would be something when I was scrolling that I'd, I'd land on. Well, that's the thing that that you say that it's a a throwback and it is a throwback for us watching it in 2021, but it's also a throwback from when it was made because you have to think about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Exorcist, all this stuff has been out. So this is like, it seems more old timey than it is. That's true. Because it's it's hearkening back to the original, which the original is super creepy and super scary. Uh, one of our friends watched this the other day here uh, while we were working in the studio uh, on silent. And this actually still works very effectively as a silent film. Uh, the imagery is amazing. It's PG. I thought the neck bite breast squeeze. Very. I know. Was I know, right? maybe enough to. It was a little uncomfortable. It was a little. I mean, it is Count Dracula after all. It was a little egregious. It was a little like somebody. But that's what Dracula would do. Somebody should have I mean, said cut. But this you know, isn't, I mean, this isn't I, like the a glass on. Uh, You're being yeah. nice when you say breast. Although I feel like this throwback, uh, this was a bosom squeeze. I feel like this was a, was a bosom. bosom. It was an ample bosom at that. Mm. It was a bosom squeeze. Um, and he a, is a, a vampire. Bust. He's a vampire. He's not like teaching a you it know. Does, <laughs> vampires are always sort of the right to just squeeze boobs. Like you know, that, the thing I <laughs> hey, like is that you have this show has got so woke. The, the, <laughs> the uh, original Nosferatu is like such a creep. I like that they uh, Werner Herzog makes him still that, but still the sexy vampire. Like he's still like seductive and everything, but he obviously red flag right off the beginning if it was me like he looks like a ghoul yeah (laughs) like you know what i mean i show up to sell somebody a house or whatever and he just looks like a ghoul that doesn't cut his fingernails i would be like uh that's where i another uh compliment to this movie is is herzog had the rights to the dracula story which uh murno did not for nosferatu right so i think it was what the day that Stoker's estate let the Dracula property go public domain. That Herzog was like, I'm on it. But he still wanted to keep uh, Murno's story and his adaptation. Like he wanted to give that an homage and he wanted to keep the Nosferatu thing, which is why he didn't call this Dracula. And he he actually was almost sued by the, the, the Murno estate, threatened to sue him. Even though they had already been sued for making an unauthorized adaptation, they actually apparently allegedly threatened to sue Herzog over this. 
uh, because um, even though the original Nosferatu is public domain in the States, it's not in Germany still for whatever reason. Uh, and he just said, like, sue me, try it, I dare you. And they didn't do it, but they did threaten it. Um, but I want to get back to Kevin's point because I think it's very valid. And it's something that I run into sometimes myself when we are watching these movies like Evil Dead, The Hills Have Eyes remake, The Dawn of the Dead. We're, we're watching things they are coming at you very fast. And, and I myself, I put a premium on economy. I don't want you to dick around all night. I, I don't want you to bore me. I want you to... Not because of of attention span necessarily, but I just think that as an artist, you should be trying to put yourself across. Um, But sometimes, like, you know, in in this age especially, I know my attention span has taken a big hit over the past decade with social media and stuff. Like, I I find myself increasingly needing to be engaged, like, immediately and heavily. And and as soon as I'm not for one second, I'm like, ah... Um, so I think this movie does, you know, it does present that way. It, it, it can absolutely be like slow. You're like, wow, what's going on? That's why I think this one really does reward the repeat viewing. And I think a lot of slower movies, I find sometimes after you've seen it once, like, you know, the pace now and you know that it's not going to be flying at you. And it kind of like lets you relax yourself because now you, you, you've seen it and, and you're not like anticipating, 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 waiting for that rush or whatever. And that's when I really start to enjoy it more myself and then put it on a third time. Like, it's just really good. I think that you sometimes we all have to work ourselves out of that frame a little bit. To me, uh, this is a prequel to what we do in Shadows because this is Peter. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Good it's a Peter origin story. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I definitely watched this a couple times. I don't always watch the movies twice a week because, you know, I work all the time and sometimes you do I just, have other things to do sometimes i, I want to watch like great british bake-off but um <laughs> i watched that's I wa- this that's a lot like this yeah it's very similar um but i watched this a couple times kind of for that reason where it was like all of a sudden i was like oh shit the movie's over i've been looking at my phone i'm gonna restart it and you know give you it still, a second you watch still, yeah even if you if you pay as much attention as you think you can you still see things later and you're like, oh, how did I miss that yeah. very important exchange? Mm-hmm. Like, what was I thinking about while that happened? I watched this and I was like, probably like bouncing between like work things and on my phone. And like, I know this story. I know this movie. I so already familiar. watched, yeah, I already yeah, watched yeah. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. This is just that with less famous American actors hot like, people less like, Keanu yeah not <laughs> equally hot people maybe other than Kinski uh, no offense Kinski it was the makeup I'm sure um, she likes Kinski yeah, though I could tell oh true no offense Kat. thank you uh, but I did the same thing like as I started to research it and I learned a little bit more about Herzog and I learned a bit uh, a bit more about the paintings uh, that he was inspired by, by who did the music, uh, Popova, like a German musical collective. Uh, as I started to learn about those things, it was like a much more enjoyable watch. So I, I think, Trent, what, what I was saying is like to like the casual or like mainstream horror person, they're not going to like this flick. Uh, but like a lot of the movies, most of which we, you and I talked about on the Patreon, um, this was a really nice throwback to being reminded that sometimes it takes a little bit more effort and a little bit more attention span to right. your point. Yeah, that's fair. To appreciate like an actual piece of art. Yep. Like this was one statement by Herzog based off a very popular novel that's been adapted a, a thousand times. 
and it's pretty fucking great. One thing that I I thought this movie and the first Nosferatu highlighted that I didn't think about as much in terms of the lore that the, we all know so well, and that does get, especially if you've recently watched the first one. This is I didn't realize I forgot how closely this follows the original Nosferatu until the very end. But um, you think about Dracula, okay, the the bloodsucker, the um, the undying. Um, he shape shifts. He has all these powers. He's quite seductive. All this, but. Um, this really focuses more on like the mind control. Dracula can just control your mind from across Europe. He doesn't even have to be in the same room. Mm -hmm. He could just send you a letter. Like, I feel like the real estate manager there, I feel like as soon as he got the letter. That's Renfield. We do need to get into that. That's Renfield. Yes, Renfield. Yes. I feel like terrible. As soon as he reads the letter, he starts falling under the spell. And then Lucy is having the visions and the dreams and the bats are coming to win. Like he just Dracula is so powerful. He doesn't have to be there. He can just set his mind to you and start getting you in. Who's the uh, who's the actor who was in uh, the Wicker Man that does all the Dracula stuff in the 60s and 70s? Uh, Christopher. Yep. Oh. Uh, um, Lee? The Hammer. Christopher Lee. Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee. You're right. Yeah. He's also in like Star Wars Cat. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But also Lord like, of the Rings. To me, the, this was a throwback and an homage to as much of that like Christopher Lee stuff. Yeah. Um, that was on, you know, Creature Double Feature. Like the old that Hammer kind of stuff. stuff and Universal yeah. Monsters. I call yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I will say I do prefer the Tom Waits version. Thank you. Of, of, of Renfield. Red- yeah, 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 he did a great Obviously. Renfield. So that's the one thing I will say is we keep talking about how well this is acted, how well it's shot. Uh, Roland Toper plays Renfield, uh, French actor, comedian. Uh, his performance is so bad. You it's, didn't, I, you it's know. It's a bit much. That's an interesting point, but th- this is how I reconcile that, Kevin. It does seem, because the way he's like laughing maniacally oh, right it. away. But that's why I think as soon as he got the letter from Dracula, he started mm-hmm. losing it. That's why. Sure. I he under- started uh, yeah. at 10. No, that's a great point. It doesn't mean that I liked his performance. <laughs> I understood what was happening, but his laugh was so, it was so one tone. Yeah, like there yeah. was no like ah, ha, 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 ha. it was like that's ah, a good that's a good laugh to you the one you just did it was like one it was I like, thought the first one you did was pretty accurate <laughs> no, this one you did was wild I mean is that <laughs> you can sample it that's a normal laugh to you normal maniacal laugh I mean, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's like Krusty the Clown. Say say what you will about, you know, whether or not we're going to like Tom Waits more, (laughs) like just inherently. (laughs) Um, But his, I thought his performance, Renfield's performance, we can't compare the two, I guess. That's just silly. But Topor's performance of Renfield in this, I did, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was pretty hokey. <laughs> I really liked how run down Dracula's castle is in this. This is again, I think, as a contrast to like the Coppola version. It's very romantic. It's like a, almost a swank. You think of Dracula's castle, nice joint. But I thought the Romani talked about that before Harker yes. got there, and they yes. were like, it doesn't exist. That's right. Or it's like run down. I like that you so correlate like, money with uh, rom- romantic. Yeah, well, I just, it's, like, this isn't, like, going to seduce anyone. That's what the, the Romanis tell them. They like, say... Like your apartment. Yeah, that's what I'm getting to. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, tell, they tell Harker, it used to be a castle, it's now a ruin. And you get to the, the Dracula's castle, it's, like, 
gross. It's like run down. There's like the windows are broken in rooms. It must be cold as hell. There's like mold on the walls. You know, it, so this like, is what kind of real estate market's happening that Harker yeah. was still like, oh, I'm going to get this sale. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and he gives uh, Dracula gives that great speech. I almost want to learn German. I, I I considered trying to learn the speech, but about how um, he has no use for the the sunshine anymore, and he prefers. Uh, the darkness where he can be alone with his thoughts and that's just him in his old rundown castle and I, I really could relate to that you know I'm, I'm like the fat Nosferatu in, in this you come over to my place not going to be that impressive Nosferatu okay? I, I have <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a much more humanized version this this guy is not like some you know he's not some kind of Casanova he has his mind power you know, that's the thing he has going for him. You you know, he's not going to, like, win you over with his, his housekeeping. That's, like, what I, the I whole vibe. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, I spent the afternoon at your house. Like, yeah, it was a mess. Yeah, you did not win me over with your housekeeping. You still won me over. It was fine. Mm. Uh, but that's the thing. Like, what took him so long to use that mind power? Well, it's he didn't. It started right away. He got uh, Renfeld and he got Lucy. But he's right been away. alive for... Thousands of years True. or whatever. So that like, is why, a good what was question. These, why, what, why now? I, you know what? I had the same question today. I was thinking like, why didn't Dracula just do this a long time ago? Why did it take him so long to decide? Well, I think he's getting on in years at this point and he wants to be closer to some he's of like the services. He's like 3,000 or something. Yeah, he's, you know, it's a long walk <laughs> he needs, to where he's- He needs long-term <laughs> care. Yeah, he's, he's, he's looking around, I think, wants to be in a, in a better proximity to some of the, the needs that he might have in his- even older than than um, beginning of time I think age. It, I think it's more the point, like the Romani have caught on, and they've told everybody in the area you can't get any more victims. Yeah, so, don't yeah, yeah, don't go near this fucking yeah. place. Yeah, I, I and he's like, like, I gotta find me a raft and a bunch of fucking coffins full of dirt, and I gotta get myself to the city. That's his like, ancestral dirt. Sorry, no, no. I was just gonna say, if it's true that you know you get older and you get wiser, then vampires would be super smart, and they would be able to navigate through all these things very easily. Well, th that actually brings me to I, one of the most striking elements of this movie, and the same exact thing happens in the first original Nosferatu, and I think probably one of the most tragic elements of all of this is you see the Count, he has to load his own gear. It's like, it's like he's a, got a, a the, giant, like the lowest version of a lead singer you've ever I know. seen. Like, yeah, oh this my is, god, this is fucking Count Dracula. We're talking about he's carrying a coffin <laughs> under his arm, trying to lug it he, through the streets. He had to put night. his own coffin top on. Well, I doesn't. He doesn't have like a Igor. He doesn't have uh, <laughs> no. It's like showing up at a gig and the sound guy's like, "Yeah, did you bring your mic? Yeah, what? Where am I? His only roadie is in jail. I he can't yeah. do it. like." I just felt like this is a really DIY version of Dracula. It's an, it's an interesting take. It was a punk rock version. It's a nice job, Herzog. Yeah. Uh, did you guys notice Bruno Gans? You mentioned him, Trent. He plays Jonathan Harker. Javier Leg Bardem. Legendary That's Swiss actor. Do you know what movie that he was in that we've already talked about? No. Mm. The House That Jack Built. <gasps> he was Verge. Uh, he was he was, he was the, the guy leading Jack through. Uh, wow! Can we not talk that. about that movie again? I'd love to not ever talk. Yeah, about yeah, that no, movie I, that's again. totally understandable. Awesome. But I thought I that that, that was you know a nice little. I feel little like Werner Herzog that. and Lars von Trier are kind of yes, very kindred similar. souls. Yeah, I like, bet if you looked up von Trier, he probably well, would have Herzog like, as. And you wonder if 
they actually know everything or if they're just like super artsy fartsy and listening to interviews with Herzog he sounds a lot like Lars von Trier <laughs> yeah. you could almost interchange them yeah or or maybe von Trier's just watched a lot of Herzog he sounds more interviews. like Herzog I guess would yeah. be yeah <laughs> I really really loved the the climax of this when the whole town uh, of Wismar I don't really know how to say it but the whole town is just like coffins out in the streets because that's the other thing that this movie plays with is the plague. That was a big part of the yes. original. This is like Lord of the Rats, which is my favorite term for Dracula of all. So he's bringing this whole uh, pestilence to the town too and all the rats on the ship, which um, you can read about some of the animal treatment on this. You probably don't want to, yeah. but oh, no. all of the rats kind of take over the city as a form of Nosferatu. And so there's just like this endless procession of brand new coffins being built in the city and they're all in the streets. And at the very end, there's this like whole weird, like, uh, oh my God. I just fucking weird. shit my pants. I think we just got weird. a vampire oh. in the room. Oh. Close the door just opened by itself. An invisible figure opened the door. Well, that reminds me. That wasn't actually, just a quick open, though. That thrusted it open. It was thrust open as though. Like someone was coming on in to be a part of this situation. Um, that reminds me of another part. But the, the whole end scene where they're having this almost like public funeral in the town square. And they're all sitting at the dinner table surrounded by rats and coffins. And they're all saying that, like, we all have the plague now. We're all going to die. We're just, like, doing this uh, celebration, you know, in spite of the fact that it's obviously over. I thought that was really affecting. And then the other thing that the door blowing open just reminded me of is uh, when, uh, when Dracula um, enters Lucy's room. It's shot while Lucy is looking into the mirror, so yes. you only see the door open, mm -hmm. and then you see his shadow, but you can't see him because it's a mirror until he comes into her direct focus, and then when he leaves again, he almost like kind of floats out. Again, they just show the door open and close. They don't show him. It's a thing of beauty. It is. It is. Yeah. No, a lo lot of good shots, and I, I love that you remembered to bring that up, Trent, the plague aspect of it. It's very topical. Yeah, it's spooky. I'm not yeah. going to state the obvious here. Yeah. Uh, but I like the fact that it's uh, a community rising up against it. You know, starting to be like, what the hell? <laughs> we're still podcasting, are we? Uh, yeah, are, we're not on true. break quite yeah. yet. There's a ghost in the... In I also the love the end scene. The end is a little bit different than the original. That that final scene, I thought was really... Harker's fate. Yeah, really Harker's good. fate. Mm -hmm. I like yeah. that a lot. Even just like... The music and this, like, we're to wa it. We're watching it right now, too. And the scene where the ship comes in The to ghost port, ship. Yeah. It don't even port. Like, it just looks like a fucking waterway. He's tied to the yep. fucking great. wheel. It's a great yeah. one. Dead, dead I mean, guy they, tied to the wheel. They do that same scene in Stokers, right? In the 92 one? And they're kind of blurring together. Mm. It's definitely in the first one, because I, I rewatched that um but they, they do, I mean, it is, it's the same story. We've seen it so many times. It's, sometimes it gets hard to remember exactly what's in which, but blood is life. Also came out the same year as Salem's Lot, which for vampire stories, I think. Uh, and that also went with the uh, Morneau version of the bald, yeah. eared. Uh, we talked about it on, on the Patreon. Yeah, we, yeah. we can bring it back on the main feed, but that, that's a great one. I mean, that, that was a really good one. Um, I will just say, uh, we talked about it a little bit before we got rolling. Kinski and Herzog would, would work together on five different films. They would have a very tumultuous relationship, albeit very productive. 
And after Kinski passed away, Herzog, who is also a prolific documentarian, would do a 1999 documentary, My Best Fiend, which literally post-mortem, so this is purely from Herzog's point of view, would cover the relationship between Kinski and Herzog and talk about how, again, they had a very tumultuous yet productive relationship. Uh, that is on Tubi right now, too. And if you're into Herzog, if you're into this flick, if you're into Kinski, because his performance in this is otherworldly, uh, that's totally worth a watch. All right, the second movie we're talking about in remakes, the requel, is 2004's Dawn of the Dead remake by Zack Snyder. I am a big Zack Snyder fan. We can get into that if we want to. But this is a remake of George Romero's 1978 cult classic. Obviously, we've talked about this on the show. This was Trent's pick for zombie, the zombie episode. Zombie mania. Director's cut. But Zack Snyder, this is his feature debut, came out with this. It was written by James Gunn, which I didn't. I think I knew that at one point, but I didn't remember it until we decided to talk about this tonight. But essentially, he just brings back the Dawn of the Dead. It's it's the zombie apocalypse happens. A group of survivors end up in a mall, which to me is still one of the smartest places to end up if you're in the zombie apocalypse. Um, large cast of characters, very action heavy, fast zombies. There's a lot to talk about. I want to move it right along to Dave and get his thoughts on this. People are always like, are you at the mall? And I'm always at the mall. <laughs> I'm literally always at the mall. So You have like a teenage the, daughter. Well, yeah, my, and my fiance works at the mall. So like I'm there like almost every day. Um, and, I, and I do feel like the mall is a safe place uh, because uh, there's both places to hide. It can be disorienting. There's different things to deal with. Um, I love this remake. I, I love the opening. Like the first the first half of the movie is really great. The second half, uh, I was explaining that it's almost like uh, when you hear God smack, they ruin like Alice in Chains. Like The Walking Dead for me ruined Dawn of the Dead remake because uh, it was so similar. They were even on a rooftop at one point, like communicating to other people. And um, I, I, lo- I love this movie. I think it's great. Um, I think that actually as Zack Snyder got like a higher budget, his shit got more cheesy. I thought that this was like very tasteful and very well done. Um, the gore is like super, super great, but it, it, in essence, it's still very much an action movie like the original. That's the thing that I had said about, uh, the original Dawn of the Dead and zombie mania was that it was just a straight up like action movie from the 80s i think he still kept that vibe uh, but i love the way it opens uh with like the the little girl and her husband and everything and they're just going off and the, the camera pans out like a few different times uh one to show the neighborhood in disarray and then one to show 
like the whole town in disarray and then you hear the news broadcast and it's you know even it extends further beyond that and and they're fast zombies uh and i love that um this is one of the first times that there are fast zombies i know 28 days later Mm -hmm. uh does that but uh these were less stylized less like grainy like all chopped up they were just fast like her husband when he turns immediately uh just starts like running after her car and that's the first time you realize that the zombies are fast and uh it's amazing i think it's a great remake i like it way better than the original um shots fired r.i.p uh george romero sorry but i really like this well, it's funny. I saw a quote of George Romero talking about this movie, and he was saying in kind of a derisive way, he was saying like, yeah, you know, they made it an action movie, seemingly oblivious to the fact that some people might view the original Dawn of the Dead as uh, an action movie. That's one of my favorite horror movies. This is, I think, absolutely one of the greatest remakes of all time. Wow. Absolutely love this movie. I, you know, I revisit it from time to time. I was, I was kind of blown away the first time. And every once in a while, I revisit this movie, and I, I expect, you know, at some point, it'll start to seem dated. And it, of course, has that, like, early mid-aughts kind of wash to it. But whatever. That does not matter at all. This is amazing. I love this movie from beginning to end. I think it's so good. Um, it it's, reminds me of The Evil Dead because it just keeps the location, you know, like, that movie kept the, the cabin and the book. This basically just keeps the mall and a zombie outbreak. Other than that, it's a different story. There are many more characters. It's, it's, it's more of an ensemble thing um, than, the, than the first movie. Um, but the, the first, the opening like 13 minutes of this movie is, I think, never mind remakes, one of the greatest openings ever you ha of any horror movie. You have the cold open, which, Dave, you were talking about, um, where you get to know like the, the first character, the nurse and her family, and see what happens there. Uh, and then the title card sequence the Johnny Cash song Here Comes the Man comes oh, in yeah. that's so good and then that rolls right into the intro so like just the first 15 minutes you're like this is amazing and I felt like you know you can say that it, it, it sags maybe at the three quarter mark but I love the ending too I, I mean I, it sticks with me from like the first time um Top, top to bottom, absolutely love this movie. This is a great one, and it's a rental right now. Um, it's on, like, if you have, like, Fubo, or it's on some of the Roku channels, but I otherwise... Star, I think uh, stars right now. Well yeah. worth it. I absolutely agree with Trent on this one, for sure. This was, I want to say, because I'm a youngster, comparatively, this was one of the first horror movies that I think I watched a lot of and really loved. Uh, I think this is really an awesome remake. Because it takes that premise of the first one, uh, the bones of it, if you will, and then makes it its own. Obviously, zombie movies are done all the time. So making uh, the exact same one twice would be super boring. So instead, they took the idea of taking solace in a mall and changed it up completely. Uh, you've got super fast zombies now, though, comparatively to the first one. Uh, you've got a whole group of people instead of just like a like three or four. And you're not really worried about outside groups of humans, like trying to sabotage them, which is interesting. Instead, uh, you're just watching this group of strangers trying to survive and making it work in the small until they can, you know, try to attempt to escape. 
obviously there's going to be some tension between them as they're trying to navigate their survival, but you never really have people actively trying to sabotage each other, um, except maybe Steve, but he's a douchebag and nobody likes Steve until the end, maybe when you see his cool uh, boat videos. Uh, this one has also had a lot of comic relief, which I think is why I gravitated towards it when I was younger and was super into it. Uh, thanks to James Gunn, which I think, uh, paired nicely with all the intense cardio scenes and the general doom and gloom of the whole religious apocalypse thing. You know, that whole intro with the Johnny Cash song. Then even when I just like watched it for the 40th time, you know, for this episode, I still had a moment where I was like, oh, fuck yes. Like, it was just so good. The gore was fine. You know, it was a lot of missing limbs and gunshots and gaping wounds. Nothing to write home about at this point, but it was still great. Um, I will say two words, though. Zombie baby. Mm. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Have- I love the almost, zombie baby. Almost irredeemed. Oh, I hate the zombie oh, Reminded me of but- Serbian film. Oh. Zombie porn. Oh, okay, calm down. <laughs> have we zombie dealt, baby porn. Have we dealt with a zombie baby before is the question. Zombie new I don't think so. Have we? I don't think we have. But here's another question. Is this baby a threat? Because this baby doesn't have teeth. How is this zombie baby going to be a threat to people if they can't bite them? Doesn't matter. You just got to shoot it anyway? No moral question about to, that. Execute do you, it. Do you want to raise a zombie baby? That's not what I'm saying. I would. I'm just saying, I would. did they have to shoot it right away? Because was it going to gum you into no, a zombie? No. You're right, because they go from making this big deal out of the first person they have to eliminate, because when somebody turns, they turn, and that's yeah. it, and you wouldn't want to live like that, so it's no big deal. But then they make a big scene out of it, but then when it's the baby... She just immediately She's like, Pew. just but blows right. the it pain literally away. is of no danger to you because it has gums. It well, can't bite you. And what is it going to just wiggle around? We just around? watched Drag Me to Hell, and it, I think it proved that the gumming can be very effective. True. <laughs> True. Here, here's where we're getting to the whole point that I think Dawn of the Dead '78 purists have a problem with Zack Snyder's remake. Is all of the social commentary is taken out? And it, it's just replaced by shock factor. So there are very there are a lot of things that I think you could have done with the zombie baby, mm-hmm. other than just being like, pew. she had a zombie baby, yeah. and then pew pew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this takes a lot good. of it out. Like it gives you a larger cast because mm-hmm. you need more people to kill. It yes. gives you way less character development. <laughs> um, because true. you can't care that much about the people. Uh, although he does pull it off in a few instances, but the opening sequence, which we're currently watching, uh, that was done by Kyle Cooper, who was famous for opening sequences. He did the one on seven that we've talked about. He's also done uh, Mimic, all three of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies, Identity, American Horror Story, Godzilla versus Kong, which we talked about. Uh, and he also did the end sequence of this film, which is something I think we'll get to when we decide how we feel about how this film turns up. We also need to talk about a very vast cast. So Sarah Polly plays Anna, who's a nurse in the beginning. She's the one that we talked about experiences the little girl, her husband getting you know bit and then immediately turning and gunning for her. Um, Ving Rames uh, will play. We know Ving Rames from... Pulp Fiction um, plays uh, Sergeant Kenneth Rhodes. 
Jake Weber plays Michael, who we will find, uh, who is like the the calm, measured leader, quote unquote leader of the group in the mall. Uh, we have Mackay Pfeiffer, you know, mm. someone greatest. I'm not, not going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Well, what? It's no movie. There's no Mackay Pfeiffer. What? What? Oh. Eight Mile. Oh, Eight Mile. Oh. All right. Yeah. Uh, but Ty Burrell, Modern Family. This is the first time I ever saw him. And when I, when I literally after w- loving this movie and watching it so many times and seeing Modern Family, I was like, Phil, <laughs> you're Steve from Dawn Always of the Dead. Steve, yep. Um, anyway, there, there's a million characters we can get into. They're all very thinly developed. Uh, we care about some of them more than others. Um, but... I, you know, I don't have any of those knocks. You know, I guess it is common to say that this movie removes the social commentary from the first one, but I don't really think that's true. I think there's plenty of social commentary within the group. One thing that the first movie does is that it presents a very homogenous group. There, there's no infighting in that movie, and we talked about that, and that, that's kind of different from what you see today. What the classic thing now is that the survivors always have to fight and they become more dangerous to each other than the imagined threat. We just saw that in uh, werewolves within from this year. Um, the, the, the first round of the dead doesn't do that. They're all like super tight. And it's almost like a movie about uh, bonding and friendship and stuff. This movie introduces all of those internal conflicts. The first thing in this movie, as soon as they get away from the zombies, and I, I love this about it, as soon as they uh, escape the outer threat, they get into the mall and they start figuring out what's going on. Boom, right away, they're confronted with humans who are just as dangerous to them. They're pointing guns at them. Uh, so you have immediately this power struggle within the group. So I don't think that that's a fair criticism. And, and, and I think there's plenty more social commentary to be had. The moral questions, we talked about the the very quick uh dispatching of the baby uh, and stuff like that. And also, I think when we say like characters are thinly drawn, I kind of feel like that's a very generic complaint about like any movie that one doesn't like. You can just say like, oh, the characters aren't no like, I mean, I, Flyboy, like but I, Flyboy. I, lo- I love of, this movie. I'm saying that. And yeah, I no, love I'm this not, movie. Like yeah, I literally not, love this movie. Yeah. I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm counterpointing some of the purest takes that you brought up. I think that it's easy to say that characters aren't well drawn when you didn't care for the movie that much. But when you look back, like, uh, was Flyboy some great character and the other, I don't even remember the names and it's one of my favorite movies. So I don't think that that really, um, is very valid. Those criticisms of this movie, I don't think hold up. The movie starts and you have Anna and then Kenneth finds her and then she runs into Jake Weber and Mackay Pfeiffer and Mackay Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer's uh, pregnant wife who will eventually give birth to the zombie baby. Uh, and then, so you're like, oh, we've got the five. And then they're like, eh, we don't have enough people to kill. So let's drive a truck into the mall with like 12 other people or however however many other people are. So that's too many people like over the course of an hour and 47 minutes, I think this is, to like really develop. So they give a lot of one-liner. Dave talks about one-liners a lot. And like Ving Rhames' character, Kenneth, for instance, he literally de- delivers every single line in this movie like the movie is ending. It's like like when he says a, a line, it'll be like, I got to go find my brother. And you're like, oh, movie's over. 
going to find his brother. But for under underdevelopment that I will appreciate, Trent, is the love stories. Like what Zack Snyder two. You doesn't have at least two do in this. In this. He yeah. doesn't drive love stories down your throat, which I did appreciate. So I'm like, well, you could have dedicated more time to like developing individual characters instead of giving them one-liners. Like the the Michael and Anna obvious love story, whereas she's literally less than 24 hours from like having her husband try to eat her in the bathtub. Uh, he underdevelops that. I appreciate that. <laughs> why is it under? I don't understand why it's underdeveloped. What, what more were you? When did they kiss? Exactly. And they did. They like, did kiss. No, they was didn't. it? Was it? Yeah. Terry? He kissed her hand at who, the end. Who was, who no, was they the, made out. Who was when? the good mall guard? Terry. Maybe that's not in the. Uh, I Terry the was the good mall guard, and Nicole. Nicole's dad was killed. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Terry, yeah. like Kissing. that, I thought that was wasn't that was shoved plenty. down our throats. Yeah, like yeah. I thought all of that was fine, and she then was a dub like though. like Monica and Steve like banging. Um, Great yeah. scene! I loved Steve. I loved that whole all those extra characters. I thought they were lively. They were fun. You know, they made. That's it. the shit I would do when it's it the was end like of the world. it's the end of the world. Yeah, you better be I'd having be, some sex. That's what I'd be I fucking. I'd be trying to find movies. drugs. I'd yeah. be doing everything. Yeah. The young mall cop, which I love that the mall cops are villains in this. The young mall cop immediately spies that he could get with one of these survivors. You know they. They seem to hit it off, and they're playing on the blanket. Next thing you know, uh, do you, did you recognize either of them? No, both of them were in the original Wrong Turn, and they played boyfriend girlfriend. Oh. Wow! Huh? Did well. not know that. Did anybody notice uh, costume design by Denise Cronenberg? <gasps> Come on! Oh. Someone, uh, who were the effects done by Trent? Um, I don't remember, but Tom Savini has a cameo. He does. <laughs> yep. Yes, he does. Savini and doesn't Flyboy too? At uh, the end of the yeah, movie, think... when you're watching the credits, before any of the cast for this movie, it literally says, "And from the first Dawn of the Dead, yeah, we have." Shout out some of the Muzak in this. There are scenes where they have to turn off and oh, on the mall Muzak in the yes. elevator. You light up my life. Oh. One of my favorites. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah. Um, when they first get to the mall, I'm all don't out worry, of love. be happy. All out of love. Yeah. Got some A lot air of air supply, supply yeah, for sure. Yeah, loved it. The guy on the roof of the gun store across Andy. From, from the mall. Andy. Yeah, yeah Andy. 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 And all so, that. so when I was talking about like underdeveloped relationships, the best relationship of this movie is Ving Rhames and Andy. Mm-hmm. At the gun, at the gun shop, I like the uh, the celebrity like look alike uh, shoot off, shoot off. Yeah. Oh yeah, I thought that that was a little cavalier. Like they go right from uh, the end of the world to like just picking off. I mean, the, well, those people were human beings like ten minutes ago. But I, I think what they're trying to do is like show cool. the progression of time right. from when they first right. got and they're like in survival mode. Now but it was just, only like, thirty days. Time. That's the problem I have. How many? Three. It was only like 30 days. Oh, 30? I didn't think it was that long. I'm sorry. Long. After 30 days, I would absolutely be picking off Rosie O'Donnell. What are you talking about? You've like been eating all of this shit in the mall and you're not doing anything. What else are you going to do besides pass the time by shooting Burt how do, Reynolds? How do we know it was 30 days? That seems so long. I thought it was shorter than that. I read something that was like, it talked about like like the, like a date, like when she was leaving the hospital, which by the way, when she's leaving the oh, hospital. You can measure like, by the pregnancy. The emergency. Yes, and you can and do it by the pregnancy. Yes, right. like there was a okay. way that you could do the timeline that it was like twenty nine days. Um, I mean, I know we don't we we don't like to talk about this era of music, 
but the down with the sickness. Um, it's so good at the end. It's, no, it's it, it, in the it, middle. Like that's right in the middle. Well, that's the montage in the middle where they're like, we're settling into the mall. Oh, but that's the lounge version. This is and okay. The so lounge version. I would Not, like oh, to. The, oh, yes, the last song. It, I'd the like end to credits. interject for a second, Go ahead. and I'd like this to be the moment in which we are all introduced to Richard Cheese, the great Richard Cheese. This was the moment when all of us were like, who is this man who's making these lounge versions It's literally of one songs. of the songs that I hate the most in the it's world. True. Same. And I was like, I'm so this? into this right now. I wanted to talk um, about that because I hate that song more than life itself, but you get the lounge version but, in the beginning, and then that whole end post credit mm-hmm. scene, I mean, so it works. Powerful. It's it so totally powerful. It's so powerful. It totally works. You can't deny it. He does a WAP version, oh, and it's oh. so good. So let's I feel like all that's kind of old hat now. That. Like I okay, know, I do lounge think, versions of the here's doors. The thing, though. You know, that's fine. I know you do, and I was going to bring it up, so I'm glad you did it before me. <laughs> Trent's famous uh, karaoke is to do lounge versions of the doors, um, but it's, it's a low hanging fruit. Richard Cheese recently did WAP, and it's it holds up. It's beautiful. I think we all should appreciate it. I don't know if anybody remembers Land of the Dead. The, oh yeah, that was the fourth Romero one after Day of the Dead. Um, oh yeah, this movie kind of like reimagines parts of of Land of the Dead when they build the buses, and that's a classic horror slash MacGyver type <laughs> sequence when the survivors all like get together and fortify these two buses that are of course in the basement of the mall or whatever and they they armor them and they outfit them with barbed wire of course there's tons of that at the mall uh and steel you know, but, but let's be honest plow on like it. if this was happening like that would be our favorite part yeah of our our like can yeah. we fortify a vehicle like right now where we are we could go out and find a van and find a bunch of like scrap metal and be like Let's fortify this that, shit. Yeah, that's a great part of the movie, and that and that's like a, a, a classic sequence in in this like genre of of horror movie. Uh, my favorite character by far was the dog, oh. Chips. Poor thing had to run him over there. I, it kind of lost me on that a little bit. Like I I don't know. They run the dog over, and then they have to go rescue her. And she went after the dog. Girl, I mean, yeah. this is how you die in these movies. Yeah. That was the point where I would say Andy is toast. Sorry, love you. He's dead. Can't be sending a dog over there. And actually, and the then one they thing all go after it, this, but they all want the guns because there's not a gun store in the mall. I know they do oh, need the ammo. Okay. That's true, but still, um, they decide that like uh, the zombies apparently don't like dogs. They don't care about dogs because the dog survived this long with the zombies. So they decide that the dog can can run over there and the zombies won't bother it, uh, which is what happens. But if I were doing this movie, I would have done it so that they think that the zombies don't care about the dog but they lower the dog down. There's a scene where they lower the dog down from the roof of the mall. I would have had the zombies immediately set up on the dog, <laughs> rip it to pieces. And you're like, oh man, I guess we were wrong about the dog thing. They and that do. would have been a really sad they scene. They do like dogs. But then would, 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 like, would Kenneth have had to gone over to save Andy? Because like Kenneth I, I was wouldn't a have very, that was, a, that was Andy, a strong bromance. See you on the other side. Uh, but that's where the movie goes off the rails. Uh, I really loved the, um, the classic uh, false lull sequence in this this type of siege movie there's often like a false lull where you have a romantic dinner everybody like the action kind of quiets down and they feel a little bit more comfortable and they have the dinner and they start bonding they start talking to each other again that's the kind of stuff i think is of as character development uh but then as soon as they do that oh my god you're right you're right back in it so i i thought that was very 
um, you know, very, very true to the form of this type of movie. It was um, supposed to be a bonding dinner, but it turned into like, again, don't get me wrong. Jake Weber deserved this part. He killed Michael as a character uh, in a good way. Yeah. But like that scene where he's like, I can tell you what I did worst. Yeah. Well, they were opening He was, that's called opening up. They were, they were getting to know each other. They were opening up. I, I just liked it as, as far as that, that kind of scene has to happen where you have a little bit of a false lull there. Um, the other thing about that is that I watched the uh, unrated version. If you, a lot of times when you like go to rent these movies on VOD, if it's like Google Play or YouTube or Vudu or wherever you want to rent, sometimes if you just search the movie, if you just wait a second before you immediately rent it, a lot of times there'll be an unrated version or an uncut version over to the side. doesn't show you right away. So I happened to notice right before I, I pulled the trigger on this one, there was uh, an uncut, unrated version. And that might be, maybe they cut out the, the makeout scene, but I was like cheering when I saw the makeout scene. because so I was like, I finally, somebody in this movie Who's is making out? out. Yeah, they make out in one of the, um, the buses. <gasps> Anna and Michael? Yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah, big and old, big and old. And they cut that out. Yeah, they must have. Um, I loved the whole ending sequence. Once they do escape the mall, man, I loved the overhead shots. Like now we take those drone shots for granted, but you know, this was a long time ago now. I loved those shots of devastation and they have a mission at least. And that's always, you know, what these movies, these siege movies come down to. Very similar to the original day of the uh, dawn of the dead. You have to decide, uh, do we just stay here forever? They have food, they have water, they have all the things they need to survive. But like you get so comfortable that it's like you get into these existential uh, questions of like, what good is existence if you're going to sit here? We talked about that in A Quiet Place. You know, what good is just simply existing? Sure, you could stay at the mall. So I think that's what drives their ultimate decision to leave the mall, which I would, you know, I would question, but you have to. You have to put that question to the characters at some point in these siege movies. Do they try to break out? And I liked the plan of like trying to go to the boat. Here's what I liked. I liked how the movie ended on that beautiful note of Michael being like sacrificing himself to mm. be like, no, I'm not coming with you. Yes. I've been bitten. And he's yes. like, I'm just going to watch the sunrise. And then it cuts to the end credit scenes where it's like the videotape of, you know, someone finds a video camera on Steve's boat. Steve's video like, camera. And so you see some sexy boobs for a second. And you're like, oh, this is fun. And then it's like videotaping them on their way. And it's very much not an uplifting note that they've left it on. Yeah, it was such a like seamless transition to just a little bit of found footage at the mm, end. I thought just that a was scotch. Yeah. so effective the yeah, way they sure. kind of just like made that move and then to, to wrap up the story. And then this is one that goes like, all through the entire post credits there aren't a lot of movies that the the whole entire until the very last credit is worth watching and it kind of finishes out the story i think this is not just one of the great remakes i think this is one of the great zombie movies no question <laughs> 